Welcome to Free Talk Live. The phones are open here. If you want to join the show, you can do that. The number is 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Aria. We also bring things to the table that you might find interesting. But, of course, you can bring up whatever is on your mind. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. Again, the number is 603-283-6160. To start out tonight, we're going to get to some stuff we promised last night, but... As happens when people get on the phones and conversations get sidetracked, as sometimes do, uh, here on Free Talk Live, we don't always get to the things we wanted to. So coming up uh, right now, let's jump into the bird flu story, Aria. This is uh, the latest fear-mongering, although I've seen another thing about a new COVID-19 I saw that, yeah, BA.2, they're calling it or something. And the article I saw regarding that was that Americans were like, who cares? Which Good, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, that's about Although how... I just saw somebody, uh, t- two people in a car with masks on just as I was driving here. So oh, wow. somebody still cares. Wow. I spent like a solid hour walking my dog in Keene earlier. I don't think I saw anyone Not wearing a, a mask. Not a single one. I don't think wow. so. Even I wasn't like looking for it, but I don't oh. recall seeing any. Okay, good. So that was encouraging. It's yeah. all, it was also like 70-ish degrees today. True. So Yeah. So they're pipping this bird flu thing now well, again. From Wyoming to Maine, an outbreak of the highly contagious bird flu, highly contagious, Mm. has swept across farms and backyard flocks in the United States this year, prompting millions of chickens and turkeys to be culled. And that was why... That's that was why it got my attention, right? Because we've talked about them slaughtering minks. We talked about them slaughtering... uh, They slaughtered the minks under the COVID fears. Yes. There were also dogs in Australia that were slaughtered. Uh, they were shot mm. to death by oh the police. That's right. And uh, there was another one that I, the details of which I don't recall. But yeah, so th- this is just more of their slaughtering massive amounts of animals. So hold on. They say the bird flu is highly contagious. Do they mean highly contagious to birds? I mean, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. They don't specify, but as I mean, they're killing birds and they're not quarantining people. So I'm assuming that it's. Going from bird to bird. Iowa. Uh, According to the CDC themselves, avian influenza, a.k.a. bird flu, viruses usually do not infect people. There have been what they call rare cases of human infection. So probably not going to happen. That doesn't make... Why are they killing chickens and turkeys then? To drive up the cost of food prices, probably. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm... Can you eat a bird that has bird flu? <laughs> I mean, if you cook it, probably, That's what right? I, yeah, I don't know. Better known as the bird flu, avian influenza is a highly contagious and deadly virus that can prey on chickens, turkeys, wild birds, including ducks and geese. It doesn't say anything about infecting people here, though. I guess the idea is that if something catches the bird flu, you want to kill it and anything it's contacted before they can reach other birds because they could all die so you want to kill that doesn't make any sense it's going to die so you want to kill it well i guess the idea is you want to kill the ones with the bird flu so they don't kill everybody okay how deadly how deadly is it then it has to be extremely deadly yeah i guess so symptoms of the virus include a sudden increase in the mortality of a flock a drop in egg production and diminished consumption of feed and water so a standard flu like stuff the virus eurasian h5n1 is closely related to an Asian strain, oh God, here we go, that has infected hundreds of people since 2003, mostly those who had worked with infected poultry. So evidently, mm. it, it 
it can spread to people, hundreds well, of Well, this them. particular strain mm-hmm. is related to a strain, which obviously is related. They're all versions of the flu, so they're all related to some extent. According to WebMD, people do not catch the virus from eating fully cooked chicken or eggs. Okay. So, yeah, you could eat a bird flu bird, nice. apparently. The risk, the ri- excuse me, the risk to humans is very low, said Ron Keene, a faculty associate and extension specialist. It's not impossible for humans to get this virus, but it's been pretty rare. The CDC said it had been monitoring people in the United States who were exposed to infected poultry and other birds. But so far, no cases of H5N1 infection have been found among them. So no real risk to humans, but let's splatter this headline all over the place like it, you know, is somehow... It doesn't even sound like deal. it's that big a deal to the birds, right? Mm-hmm. It makes them, it makes them where they don't eat, and you know, it kills some it of them. Deadly. Sure. Well, it does. It doesn't specify how deadly it is. Okay. Regrettably, it, the article does say yes. It is in fact safe to eat poultry and eggs. That you know, if they're properly cooked, the chance of infected poultry entering the food chain is extremely low. The agency, that's the U.S. Department of Agriculture, said. But even if it does, it doesn't matter. Just cook it because no one eats, no one should eat raw chicken anyway. You'll be just fine. H5N1, according to Healthline.com, was first discovered in humans in 1997 and has killed nearly 60% of those infected. I presume that means those birds. I don't know what that means. Presumably. That's pretty deadly then. So, hold on, it originated with, so it's not even an avian influenza, it's not a bird flu, it's a human flu. We gave it to the birds, mm, right? I don't know. Well, you said it originated with humans. Well, that's how they discovered it, apparently. Ah, oh, that's fair. So, egg production facilities that are subject to federal, relation, federal regulation are required to undergo daily inspections once per shift. I feel safer already. State in, mm. state inspection programs, which inspect poultry products sold only within the state that were produced, are additionally monitored by you the know, USDA. I wish we had Conan uh, with us tonight. He couldn't join us due to uh, some work issues he had to take care of. Because he got on the air with us, and I don't know if you were on that show, but he talked about these vaccines that they give to chickens. Oh, he did? Yeah, I was here that night. Yeah, and that they're very, very common, that these vaccines are like bad news, ultimately for, I don't remember what exactly, you know, why they were bad news, but, you know, vaccines bad, that kind of uh, viewpoint. And so he's he made it sound like these vaccines were incredibly widespread, um, but I'm wondering if maybe the vaccine was for something else besides bird flu, because there's a story from Reuters that says that the U.S. is quote, considering vaccines to protect poultry from deadly bird flu. So apparently, maybe there's a different... Maybe maybe the vaccines he was talking about weren't regarding bird flu, and it was something else. I don't, I don't remember, remember the exact vaccines he was talking about. Yeah. I do remember that episode, and I don't even remember what the, the negatives of those vaccines were, other than, did it kill the chickens? I don't remember now, but, I mean, he does no. raise chickens, so he knows a thing or two about bird flu, you yeah. would think. I don't know. Do we really need to know anything else about this uh, bird flu? No, they go on to ask a bunch of stupid questions that the average reader is never going to care about. Like, how is the virus detected? And outbreaks, where have outbreaks been detected? No one really cares. It's a bird flu. The article goes on for like... The people who care would be the people in the industry. You know, that's it. It's just amazing to me that the article is like six times the length of what we've gone over. And the vast majority of it is just completely useless information that... I can't even imagine. The industry people already know about that stuff. 
So yeah, in order to protect us from this new strain of bird flu, H5N1, they're going to kill a bunch of chickens and turkeys, or they're already killing a bunch of chickens and turkeys. And that is going to likely have an effect on the cost of chicken and eggs. Well, yes, yeah. obviously, because... I mean, you're already going up. Even though a human can't get H1, H5N1 from you know eating, quote, infected poultry, they're evidently preventing that from even reaching the market. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to drive prices up because there's going to be less to go around. So, in other news, uh, I had a story last night we didn't get to as well, which I thought was pretty important. And that is what has happened in the European Union, uh, where they are attempting to outlaw anonymous cryptocurrency transactions. Now, that's the interpretation of Coindesk.com in this case. I'm not sure how they could possibly outlaw anonymous transactions because, well... They're anonymous, and if you are using something like Monero, which is a privacy coin, then no one's going to necessarily know that you did that unless you advertise it somehow publicly that you are doing these transactions. If I recall correctly, it was that they wanted to KYC everyone who had ever touched a particular coin, right? KYC means know your customer, requiring ID. Like if you wanted to sell Bitcoin, you would have to show them your ID, but you would also have to show them the IDs of the people who you got the Bitcoin from and all the way back to presumably its genesis. Well, I don't know about that, but we'll get into what they are doing here. According to Coindesk, the EU passing what they're calling a privacy-busting crypto rule set. Uh, we'll, We'll share it with you. The number is 603-283-6160. And then the tyrant president of El Salvador. What's he up to now? We'll talk about it coming up. It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. Just dial in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. And over at Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin.com, they're huge fans of freedom. I happen to know uh, the founder of Bitcoin.com, and he's definitely a liberty advocate. Uh, Bitcoin.com is also a great source for learning about cryptocurrency. So if you're ready to get started, just click Get Started at the top of the page. You'll get some introductory videos there that you can watch. The first one is all of about three minutes long. So if you're ready to start learning about Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, cryptocurrency in general... You ought to get on over to Bitcoin.com. Also, if you're not brand new to crypto, you can get the latest news headlines over at News.Bitcoin.com anytime you want. They're updated every single day at News.Bitcoin.com. This story coming from Coindesk.com. This is about the EU, which has voted, apparently, their lawmakers have voted in favor of a controversial measures to outlaw anonymous crypto transactions, a move the industry says will stifle innovation and invade privacy. More than 90 lawmakers voted in favor of the proposal, according to documents seen by Coindesk. They are intended to extend anti-money laundering requirements that apply to conventional payments that are over 1,000 euros, which is just around 1,100 U.S. dollars, to the crypto sector. They also scrapped the floor for crypto payments, so payers and recipients of even the smallest crypto transactions would need to be identified, including for transactions with unhosted or self-hosted wallets. So this would be private wallets, actual 
Uh, person uh, wallets, people yeah. who who have their own wallet. They're not using some sort of corporation to host uh, their wallets. They're not on an exchange or whatever. So they're using like Coinami or Exodus or or Edge. Yeah. Uh, further measures under discussion could see unregulated crypto exchanges cut off from the conventional financial system. National governments said in December they wanted to scrap the European or Euro 1000 threshold for crypto on the basis that digital payments can easily circumvent the limit and to include private wallets that aren't operated by regulated crypto asset providers. So it looks like they've gone ahead and done that. I mean, that's that's true with most cryptocurrencies, right? Like. If they have a $1,000 limit, I mean, they don't use dollars, but let's just yeah. say dollars, and you want to get around that, that's fine. Just send a bunch of $999 transactions in in the banking system that's called structuring, but that's in, a crime. The, in the cryptocurrency world, there's no such thing. Not yet. Not that we're aware of, at least. Right. <laughs> Uh, so they want to get rid of that. Apparently, they've done that now. Such proposals are neither warranted nor proportion, uh, proportionate, according to the European People's Party. They opposed many of the more controversial changes, condemning what they called a de facto ban of self-hosted wallets. They said, with this approach of regulating new technologies, the European Union will fall further behind other more open-minded jurisdictions. Unquote. Well, and this is what true. governments have always wanted in regard to cryptocurrency. They want, you know... All of your cryptocurrency to be held by Coinbase or Kraken or Binance or one of these companies that will jump through all of their hoops and do all of their proper KYC or PayPal. And then if you want to send cryptocurrency to a friend of yours or to an employee or to a business that you're purchasing something from, they have to have one of these government approved wallets from Coinbase or PayPal or someone. And you can't send it to a private wallet. That's what they've always wanted. That's mm-hmm. that's why they've set up the system as they've set it up. I was talking about this at Fork at uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival last year. This is their their game plan. That's exactly what they want. I've got a different story here from ZDNet that gets into more of the details on exactly what they're talking about doing because CoinDesk just sort of does a basic overview they say here that the proposed rules require crypto service providers to retain identity records about the sender and recipient of crypto transfers and make the records available to quote competent authorities unquote uh they're part of this eu package for anti-money laundering and countering financing of terrorism that they want to ban anonymous crypto wallets Quote, before making crypto assets available to beneficiaries, providers would have to verify that the source of the asset is not subject to restrictive measures and that there are no risks of money laundering or terrorism financing, they announced. This is from the European Banking Authority. That completely defeats the point of cryptocurrency. What do you mean? You have to get their information. You have to find out what the source of the funds is. You have to make sure there was never any money laundering or anything like that. None of that's your... None of that is my business, right? When I pull out cash to pay for something at a store, it doesn't matter to me if someone once laundered that money or did cocaine with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with me. This is just my currency, and I'm trying to spend it. Right, and they, the store should have no ability to tell you, whoa, we can't take that cash here. Also, Drew, yeah, oh, oh no, that clearly that $1 bill has been, you know, someone did cocaine with it. You can't use that. But that's literally what they're talking about doing in this particular case. They want to create a public register of crypto providers that have a high risk of breaching AML CTF rules alongside a non-exhaustive list of non-compliant providers. So it sounds like what they're going to do is they're going to ask people, so let's say you're on a crypto exchange. 
and sure. which we aren't no. uh, because we're not allowed to be under the ridiculous bail conditions in the crypto six case even but, if we were allowed to be i imagine they wouldn't let us have accounts at this point well let's just say that you the listener are on a crypto exchange <laughs> and you go to deposit into the exchange some cryptocurrency because obviously if you're depositing dollars or whatever euros they're coming from your bank account so they know where those are coming from uh, because crypto exchanges will not accept bank transfers from anyone's account except for the account holder. So we know where that's coming from. So if you're trying to deposit Bitcoin or Monero or you know some other cryptocurrency, Bitcoin Cash, whatever, into the exchange, presumably the exchange is then going to now, if they're in European, uh, if they're being regulated by the European Union, they're going to say, "Is this your wallet from which you are depositing these funds?" And you will have to certify that it is your wallet because they wouldn't be able to KYC or know your customer someone else's wallet through you, right? Like You can't just give them somebody else's ID. You can't say, oh, this is my grandmother's wallet. Here's her ID. Here's her you know, bank account. They're not going to accept that. Right. So, But what about when they ask you where you got the currency? They may do that. Yeah. That's a good that's a good point. Um, they're just going to have to talk to the customer, right? Because they can't go deeper than that as far as identifying anyone else in the chain. Uh, so, someone in the cryptocurrency industry, like the CEO of Coinbase or someone, was saying that this effectively requires them to have you know ID information on every single person throughout the entire world. I don't know if they they misunderstood. But it does sound like if you wanted to submit cryptocurrency that you got from a friend of yours or whatever, the exchange would be like, okay, you sent this from your wallet, sure, but the f- source of these funds, that wasn't your wallet. We need to know who that is. Brian Armstrong from Coinbase says, anytime you receive a thousand euros or more in crypto from a self-hosted wallet, meaning not an exchange wallet, uh, Coinbase will be required to report you to the authorities. He says this even applies if there's no indication of suspicious activity. So just... They're just gathering data for a massive database about people and which wallets they're using and from which wallets they're sourcing their funds. We'll continue here in moments. You're welcome to weigh in and share your thoughts at 603-283-6160. Of course, the best thing you can do probably if you are a uh, euro-based crypto business is to leave, is to get your base of operations to some country that is actually welcoming innovation. Uh, There's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. You can join us. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Yeah! 
It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. And there might be a little bit of good news in regards to this European crypto news. So even though the European Union has voted for this, 93 to 14, it's just the committee on Economic and Monetary Affairs and the Committee on Civil Liberties that voted for this thing. Now it has to go in front of what's called the European Parliament's Plenary Session in April. So The this, Commission on, you said, Human Rights? Uh, no, Civil Liberties. Civil Liberties. Uh, they voted for this yes, thing? Yes, <laughs> they did. They voted for ridiculous restrictions on crypto transfers in and out of uh, exchanges. It seems like it would be the job of the Civil Rights Commission to vote against nonsense like this. Welcome but this is Europe. the European Union. Yeah. Uh, so the good news is this isn't done. This can still be stopped at whatever the plenary session is. I, I don't know that terminology. So let's see. It is the part of the meeting or conference that everyone attends. Okay, so this would be the plenary session would be the it's the equivalent of the full U.S. House or whatever the full right. government governance group is meeting. So this will be voted on this month. Uh, Ernest Ertesen, vice chair of the Greens European Free Alliance in Spain, said in a statement, quote, illicit flows in crypto assets move largely undetected across Europe and the world, which makes them an ideal instrument for ensuring anonymity. He said. That's garbage, though. Like even like Interpol, the FBI, all of these agencies have come out and said, "Hey, yeah, it turns out that there's no, there's not that much illicit activity going on in cryptocurrency. The vast majority of it's like just is completely above the board and normal and, and lawful. Almost all of them are completely tra- um, transparent, so you can look through the blockchain and you can see. Which is, of course, what they're going to use here if this does go fully into place and the exchange, uh, the exchanges are then forced to." look at the customers like what they're depositing right so they're going to not only they're going to ask the customer all right who owns this wallet is this your wallet customer from which you are depositing these funds and if it is not your wallet then you're going to need to tell us who it is so i don't know how they're going to verify that any of that information is true because all you can really do is talk to the customer right like yeah but then the government has a you know or the government presumably ends up with a with a database of mm-hmm. all of the wallet addresses and who they belong to. Support, supposedly, how do you prove that though? Like, at, if I'm the customer at the exchange, and you're again, we're talking about in fantasy land here because right. we can't do these things under the Crypto Six bail conditions. You can learn more at thecrypto6.com. But if I'm having you send your rent payment or whatever into my exchange account just because I just feel like it. Right, sure. like maybe I don't want to put it in my wallet first. Maybe I want to convert it into something else, and I need the exchange for that. So I'm having you do that, and I'm in the European Union. And now, according to Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, he says before you can send or receive crypto from a self-hosted wallet, Coinbase will be required to collect, store, and verify information on the other party, which is not our customer, before the transfer is allowed. How the f? So this, Are you supposed to do that? That would seem to mean even if I did send it to you yeah. and you then sent it to the exchange, they would still require the information about me. Well, that's a good question is how deep are they going to go with this? Well, the guy from Coinbase there sort of suggested that was the case, right? 
He just says before you can send or receive crypto from a self-hosted wallet. So if they okay. don't know, like most of the wallets of the exchanges are known. So sure. like if an exchange, if Binance has a Binance has a wallet, and then they and you have a Binance account, and you order it to send from Binance to Coinbase, Coinbase knows that just came from from Binance. So they would be able to communicate, not that they have any system for this, but the government will probably force them to at some point to say, hey, Binance, is this Aria Demetso's wallet? And then Binance would say yes or no, right? Right. Um, so that's you know the downside of these exchanges is they have tremendous databases on on their customers and such. But it sounds like it's good news for Monero, right? Because Monero, mm-hmm. the way it works, as I understand it, is it constantly creates and destroys new coins. So there's mm-hmm. no trail to speak of because you Correct. didn't receive someone else's coins; they were destroyed there and they were created over here. So they they have no way of knowing what wallets or addresses sent you Monero. And this is probably true of most privacy coins. They have no way of knowing what the source of these funds actually were. True. Or whether or not these wallets actually belong to you, the individual. And I think you're going to see a lot of exchanges. Uh, but first of all, I don't think Monero's on as many exchanges as a lot of other coins for the reason of exchanges are scared I think it's to on death. Two um, I haven't, I I haven't checked of. in a while, but uh, I know Kraken used to have it. It's on two that allow USD deposits. I'm sure there's a bunch of yeah. cur- uh, you know exchanges out there that don't allow cash deposits or any sort of fiat deposits. It. So this is very very confusing. It seems like it's going to be very difficult to implement. And the governments most, don't care about that. And the most cowardly exchanges, of course, uh, the ones that don't want to jump through these hoops, are going to just tell people, "Look, we can't take." Uh, we can't take deposits from any wallet that you cannot certify as yours. Because how the hell else could they verify anything about any self-hosted wallet? Because the thing with, for listeners that don't know, they would have to take a picture with their webcam of them holding of them up their holding wallet, that wallet or something. Wallet? Uh, yeah. But still, if it wasn't your wallet, this is what I'm trying to say. If, if it wasn't your wallet, then they're just going to have to say, look, we're not going to allow it. Because how can they verify whose wallet it is? You can tell them, oh, yeah, my grandma sent me that money. It's for my birthday. And then send them, you know, your grandma's info. What are they going to do? Call her and verify? I mean, it's just the amount of bureaucracy, the amount of hoop jumping that would be required to just simply let a customer deposit five bucks worth of Bitcoin. It is insane. Because they're going to have to do this to absolutely everybody who is depositing. It just So the easiest way for them to do it is going to say, will you certify that this is your wallet? And then they can put your name on the wallet and say, all right, well, this is Aria's wallet. Now, of course, that might be easy for somebody to do, just say, oh, yeah, that's my wallet. But if it's not their wallet and that wallet gets like caught up in some sort of criminal activity, let's say that wallet is involved in some kind of darknet uh, dealings and can be traced to that. Because sure. some darknet sites might still take Bitcoin. I don't know for sure how many of them do. But for a while, there was some that took Monero and some that took Bitcoin and then some went Monero only. But but let's just say, you know, this wallet that you previously lied to the exchange and told them was yours just so you could get it to deposit into your account. You thought, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Then all of a sudden, it gets tied up in some sort of criminal activity that you had nothing to do with. Well, guess what? Now it's on the record as you certifying that it was your wallet. So people could well, get themselves you into You certified some... that it was your wallet at that particular time. But it but could have changed hands. Yeah, that doesn't mean you didn't turn over the private keys true. to someone else. That's true. That's a good point. That doesn't mean that's going to uh, save you from criminal charges. No, in, and uh... I wouldn't want to try to make that argument in a European <laughs> court. Yeah. But... 
strictly speaking, just because a wallet once belonged to someone mm. doesn't mean it still does. Yeah, I mean, this is just creating an incredible amount of hassle for these exchanges to just do basic levels of business. Uh, let's see what else we need to know about this here. On privacy protections, this is one of the bureaucrats speaking. Quote, no information will be included in the transfer itself or transmitted to the counterparty if there is a risk that such counterparty is not able to protect the confidentiality of the data. We clarify the period and conditions of data retention. What the hell does that mean? I think that means that they're saying, oh, don't worry. The exchanges will keep your information safe. Yes, like Visa and MasterCard and Bank of America have a long history of doing with customers' private information. Transfers that was sarcasm, by the way. To and from hosted, unhosted wallets will be subject to traceability rules and reporting, and identity verification will need to be verified. Chief Legal Officer of Coinbase, Paul Grewal, said that law enforcement can already track and trace digital asset transfers with advanced analytics tools and said none of this requires upsetting the settled privacy expectation of wallet holders. Coinbase is describing this as a critical EU vote. And if adopted, this revision would unleash an entire surveillance regime on exchanges like Coinbase, stifle innovation, and undermine self-hosted wallets that individuals use to securely protect their digital assets. Sounds like an absolute nightmare waiting to happen. Um, I guess if you're in the European Union, you can beg your politicians to not do this. That'll work. But the committee voted overwhelmingly in favor of it, so we'll keep an eye on it. Free Talk Live. You're invited if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's uh, 603-283-6160. Ian and Aria in the studio tonight. We're talking about proposals which have been voted by a committee in this case in the European Union to crack down on what are called self-hosted wallets in the world of cryptocurrency. And for those of us that understand uh, the self-hosted wallets, this is a nightmare that is brewing for the people in European Union. And what it means is, what a self-hosted wallet means is that you have control over your cryptocurrency, not some corporation, not some exchange, which is subject to government restrictions and controls and regulations. And so they're trying to make life difficult for people who have self-hosted wallets by basically making it a incredible hoop-jumping measure simply to send uh, crypto from your self-hosted wallet into an exchange. We're going to keep, uh, if we hear more about this, we're going to keep you up to date as it develops right now, they're looking at having the full European Parliament, I, I believe, vote on this at some time this month. But the committee already voted overwhelmingly in favor of it. So the odds that this is going to get smacked down seem relatively low, although it could happen. So we'll see yeah, how I mean, that we've seen out. weirder things with committees recommending bills and that and they then don't the opposite them. happens. Yeah, you make a good point, though. I. You said earlier that it's probably going to be like a, I certify that this is my wallet. I imagine it would be something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, just some simple checkbox, right? Right. And then on the back end, they, they catalog your wallet. That wallet address is belonging to you, and they have that information available whenever a government wants it. Yep. Not, not a good situation for any user to be in. 
Yeah, and they're also going to require, if this passes, uh, any amount over a thousand euro automatically is reported to the state. So in the same way that banks report transactions over a certain size, which in the United States, it's like $10,000 cash. And I believe there's a 10,000 euro uh, cash transaction report in uh, the European Union. This would be a tenth of that, 1,000 euros. I mean, that's like a rent payment for somebody. They're going to be reporting all of that to some central bureaucracy, building a file about you. Yeah, all the more reason for people to get into Monero or some other privacy wallet that won't have these issues. But of course, then you can't just send those to Coinbase and cash them out. So you can pay your rent to your corporate landlord or whatever, right? Yeah. There are some places where you can't just spend cryptocurrency. So you need to swap it out for a different currency. Yeah, unfortunately, these centralized exchanges have their uses um, but what I hope to see in time is the decentralized finance people basically put a stake in the heart of these centralized exchanges. That um, would be lovely. It hasn't happened yet, but there is a project out there that's worth looking at. It's called ThorChain, uh, T-H-O-R, ThorChain, and it is a decentralized exchange and not in the method of previous decentralized exchanges, which have all been on one particular blockchain. So for listeners unfamiliar, there's a bunch of different cryptocurrencies out there. Bitcoin, of course, is the number one most popular, and it basically is just transferring value from one point to another. But on other cryptos like uh, Ethereum, they can have what are called tokens. And the, the Ethereum token market is incredibly huge. I mean, it's way bigger than probably just Ethereum on its own. If you like added up the value oh, I'm of sure it is, all yeah. the tokens combined out there, I, I, and I don't know what that is, but it's tremendous. Uh, so, for instance, like Shiba Inu, which a lot of people talk about, was, was a huge meme coin that came out a couple of years ago and then blew up in, in price. That was all done on the Ethereum blockchain. Shiba Inu is just an Ethereum token. Is it really? I did not know that. As I understand it, okay. that's what it is. Uh, and that's it's one of I don't know how many millions or hundreds of thousands of these you know Ethereum tokens there are, and so well, there. I mean, there is bound to be hundreds of millions. It takes it must like be. it takes just a few clicks to create an, an ERC twenty token. It's super right. easy. So then there are these things called decentralized exchanges like Uniswap or um, Sushi Swap, and there's a bunch of them out there uh, that you can go to with your Ethereum wallet, your self-hosted Ethereum wallet. And you can just connect to it, and they don't ask you who you are. And then you can well, change. Well, why should they? It's not their business if you're converting one digital asset into another digital asset. That's that's no one's business but yours. Well, you would think that, but because they are not a centralized system, they can't be targeted by these governments in the same way that Coinbase or Binance or one of these other centralized exchanges can. Those centralized exchanges have an office they have people sitting there, and SWAT teams can go in and, and raid that place. But in the, in the case of the decentralized exchange, in theory, they don't have the ability to do that because decentralized exchanges are almost all open source. And so even if there is a company behind one of these decentralized exchanges, somebody else could just fork the code and completely like copy that exchange and do it somewhere else. Do it in nice. another political jurisdiction or whatever. But the problem with decentralized exchanges until recently has been that they only work on one cryptocurrency system. So most of them were Ethereum-based. So you could go in and exchange Shiba Inu for 
what was the one that uh, Kim Kardashian was doing? Ethereum Max or whatever. It, any of these Ethereum tokens, regardless of how popular they are or how brand new and no name they are, anything can be swapped. There's no centralized authority deciding we will accept this token and not this token. No, anybody that wants to change one token to okay. another can go there. You can create a liquidity pool. You can make all this stuff happen without asking anyone's permission. So that's the brilliance of the decentralized exchange. But the problem is you can't take Bitcoin and exchange it for Ethereum. Right. You can't take Ethereum and exchange it for Bitcoin Cash or for any of the other, you know, what they call level one cryptocurrencies until ThorChain. ThorChain makes that possible. And I cannot explain to you how they do that. There's some It's t- bound to be complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I watched some videos about it and it's pretty interesting how they did this. And they they created really interesting incentives to make sure that the people that are doing things are are acting honestly. So like the nodes in the system, they have to bond a bunch of uh the tokens that are original to this particular blockchain, the Thorchain tokens. Um they're called Rune and they have to like the people that are running the system basically have to have skin in the game. They have to have a lot of it, essentially. So, like, they're disincentivized from stealing from the system. It's really interesting. So, for that's one to- of the neat things about proof of stake. And it sounds like they borrowed it, even if they're not proof of stake, mm-hmm. and they're probably not. They borrowed some ideas from it. Yeah. Which is that you want people who are invested in the stability of your ecosystem to be the ones who determine the functionality. To be doing the functioning in the ecosystem because they're the ones incentivized to make sure it works and that it's honest. And they've been adding slowly over time. They did get hacked uh, like a year ago or like sometime last year. And they got hacked and then they hired like a red team that goes in and tests the system and tries to find bugs. And they've got a you know bug bounty going on. And so they... Yeah, I've been paying close attention to this because I consider centralized exchanges to be almost as evil as the banks themselves like they're right about there i I tend to agree they're at least at they may be even a little bit more evil in my opinion right Mm. because they were born out of a a single almost single-minded desire to destroy the banking system the banking institution and Mm -hmm. they took that and they then became identical to the banking system yeah some of them have literally become banks like kraken yeah so they saw this evil thing and are like hey we were created to destroy this evil thing let's just become that evil thing <laughs> yeah problem solved That's right true. so i don't so i don't know they, their behavior may not be more evil but their yeah their well, motives and their origins are well, know, man well remember we read some quotes from the centralized exchange guys a little while back and like the guy from kraken is sounds like a pure uh libertarian anarchist but he still has to do what the government tells him to do, and they still created a bank. So it's like, if you don't, how do you justify that? If you don't, they kick in your door. I mean, yeah, and yeah, they they sure do. Point guns at you. So, I, I so I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't blame them for that. But, but I blame Coinbase because Coinbase that this was their plan from the beginning, right? Kraken mm. just sort of yeah, became true. this. But the people at uh, Coinbase, they were, I think, attending seminars and symposiums and stuff long ago. Yeah, they always wanted to have their uh, their club of government. No, yeah. I don't know. Brown nosers, I guess, is the, the right term for it. So anyway, check out ThorChain if you're interested in, in getting away from centralized exchanges. It, it operates like these other ones that are on Ethereum, but you can exchange different cryptos that are not Ethereum-based. And they've added, uh, this year, they've added Dogecoin. Uh, of course, you know, that's that's huge. People love Dogecoin. 
And then they they also added Terra, which has become uh, and UST, which has become sort of the the go to decentralized stable coin as well. So for those that are interested in getting away from centralization in crypto, you definitely want to look into those things. I mean, these are all great, but one still needs some sort of entry point. There has to be some sort of on ramp. That's the problem. Those are always centralized. Yeah, to get your paper currency into digital form except for peer-to-peer systems like local bitcoins and of course we know the federal government will come in and raid people's uh, homes for selling on local bitcoins without government permission slips so they're trying to crack down on that too hour two's on the way we'll talk about el salvador coming up insight daily radio conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture with over 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program since the 1970s. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the beginnings of the radio program that brought the fictional town of Lake Wobegon to life. It began really with a story that I told based on an old friend. I confided in him. I told him everything. When I went to his funeral, I felt a sort of relief (laughs) that all of my sins that I had confessed would now go to the grave with him. I had a fresh start. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, comes out April 11th. See Garrison Keillor live on stage May 2nd at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Keillor will be joined by iconic artists, including country music star Brad Paisley, soprano Ellie Dean, Elvin Bishop's Big Fun Trio, vocalist Heather Massey, and many more. Enjoy a live show filled with Lake Wobegon stories, humor, music, and audience sing-alongs. Red Rocks Amphitheater, May 2nd. Reserve your seat today. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. The phones are open and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Coming up, the latest tyranny from the man who is this president dictator of El Salvador. We, we talk a lot about El Salvador here now. We never did before a year ago. Uh, and it was because they have... Well, it's interesting, right? Well, it's interesting that they have uh, created Bitcoin as a, uh, a legal tender starting back in September of last year. So we've been paying kind of closer attention to what's been going on there and... Let's just say there's some not-so-nice things that can be said about this president down there because of what he's been doing, and you've got the latest on him coming up, Aria. We're going to get into it. Uh, Of course, your phone calls and thoughts are welcome. We're going to go to those first here. Sarah is on the line in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Aria. Yes, I just want to bring up, we have this problem um, every Saturday night on the 98th and Chavez uh, intersection on the west side, they have groups of drag racers and they do donuts um, and they have spectators and all the neighbors, I mean, they want them to stop and uh, they don't know what to do. I mean, to stop this. Is it legal? No, it's completely illegal. So um, the, the police are doing absolutely nothing 
about something that is scheduled on a weekly basis that you can predict? Right. Well, what it is is that, you know, the, the cops can't get to the drivers because there's cars parked along the highway and they block them from going in because they got so many spectators. <laughs> I, I mean, you guys are laughing, but this is the because this is what that's goes on absolutely here. absurd, Sarah. <laughs> You've been watching too no, much. I mean, you've been true. watching too much Fast and the Furious, right? These cops, they they have the benefit of you know wearing badges and guns and stuff like that. If they if they want, if a cop was to go to to point B and he's at point A, anyone standing in that officer's way is going to get arrested for obstruction, or they're subject to being just killed outright by these uh, these cops. I mean, so basically, what you're saying is you have the most impotent police in the entire United States. Um, I guess you could say that. I guess you, I mean, it behooves me. This is a, a common place here in Albuquerque because they think that they're violating people's rights. Um, I mean, it's illegal to be parked where they're parked and, and mass like that. Mm-hmm. But they're so afraid of of the, the cops, um, you know, breaking up the crowds and spectators. I mean, this is... New Mexico is a very bizarre place. You're saying that because there's so many people down there watching these drag races, the police are afraid to do anything because they're worried they will be outnumbered and maybe pounced on by the spectators? It could be. I I really don't know. I mean, but I'm I'm just speculating. It's utter nonsense what you're saying, Sarah. Well, no, it may not be. Hold hold on. I mean, maybe, like, look, for instance, at what happened in, uh, in Ottawa. A few weeks ago with the the Freedom Convoy, where there were literally, you know, thousands of people in the streets. Uh, There were hundreds probably of trucks and their drivers who are big guys, right? Like, you know, and and maybe these drag racers are uh, intimidating people and they've got some gangster types hanging around or whatever. Cops are not the bravest bunch. I know they want people to believe that they are, but the reality is that's why, like, Whenever there's a school shooter, you frequently will hear about the police just standing outside and waiting for backup. Like there's usually like the co- the campus cop, right? Remember Parkland? I right. think was was an example of this. Yeah, the one who ran and hid. Yeah, well, right, because he didn't want to go in and take on somebody with a gun by himself. And obviously, police have no obligation to protect. That's correct. So. That's correct. So it, it is possible that if the police are outnumbered that they may not feel like enforcing the law in that particular case, Sarah. So what do you want them to do about it? If they, if these cops are afraid, are you saying the police should uh, risk death to stop these drag races? Well, they, it was on the news. So the neighbors are wanting to maybe blockade the, they could temporarily blockade the road from on Saturday nights from uh, midnight. They, a lot of the neighbors have done that. Or they're like thinking of putting speed bumps, or they're coming up with different um, ideas. But you're right; the police don't want to confront. They just don't want to trample in and say that like, you, you guys all clear out. That's what. Sir, um, I want to make sure I understand the problem and the solution mm-hmm. here. So, in order to prevent people from blockading the streets so that they can have drag races, the solution is to blockade the streets. Is that correct? Well, from that during the let's uh, for example Saturday from one o'clock to three o'clock in the morning, sure. they would they would have these little fences that would block the intersections. Maybe they would just have the one intersection going one way, but they can't be doing donuts and um, 
Does it hurt you when they do donuts? <laughs> no, I mean, they live, this area is about maybe five, six miles out from where I'm at. So I'm clearly away from that. Does it hurt anyone the, in the area when they do donuts? Well, you know what? Um, the neighbors, uh, the Could people there, they think that somebody else, somebody it will get hurt eventually. But what are the neighbors' they, complaints? But no are one's the, been hurt yet, right? The, it doesn't sound like it. Are the complaints from the neighbors that it's just loud? Why? What are they upset about exactly? It's loud, and they're afraid of the kind of people that are there, like the gangster, gangbanger type of people, the the lawbreaker kind of people that hang around. Um, and you know they might be having guns there. Um, and then you know something they uh, the, the a lot of these drag racers uh, wind up uh, turning into murder if they lose the race. What? One guy had shot the other guy and the the shot him dead. Yeah, one of them did that like about a month ago. Wow, they're that angry. Is crazy. They're angry that they lost the race, so they just shoot the other well, guy. I think I there's mean, a lesson that we can take from this. And thank you, Sarah, for the the call tonight. And that is that private property, of course, is the only solution here. Uh, because ultimately this is public, these are public streets, public roads, which means that the police are who you have to turn to for enforcement of whatever it is that's going on that you don't want to have going on. And if police aren't willing to do it, then a, what do you do? I, I found a story about drag racing in Albuquerque because I was curious, you know, if there was some sort of murder regarding, you know, drag racing, that would be relatively easy to find. Mm. Evidently, there is sort of a high-speed problem plaguing Albuquerque, and it is the illegal events known to happen all over the city, but authorities say it's only gotten worse since the onset of COVID-19. They say usually these drag racers don't expect law enforcement to do much. They frequent areas where they drag race, and we know where those areas are, said Sergeant Carroll, so they do know, and there, there is some sort of schedule to these things. We've had some instances in the past where we've had some vehicle pursuits where we've had drag racers try to interfere. We've also had some drag racers interfere in some of our <laughs> traffic stops. So they, nice. Yeah, they have These a video These guys sound pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it sounds like nonsense. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're actually hurting anything. They do have a really interesting video here of, you know, 15 to 20... drag racers going through the streets of Albuquerque, but I didn't find anything about... Anyone getting shot over drag racing? There, there's plenty of, you know, people die in car wrecks and stuff like that in Albuquerque. And I mean, Mexico and New Mexico in general. Like, here's a woman who was killed while crossing the street. Oh, God, don't let Sarah. I hope Sarah didn't hear that. She's on hold. So, yeah, she did hear it. Thanks, Sarah, for the call. Uh, th- there was apparently a guy that at least got killed in a race. Uh, somebody was racing, crashed into Father Graham Golden's car, and he he died. So I guess he wasn't one of the racers, but somebody else. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely, unfortunate. There are risks involved in uh, in drag racing, and maybe there needs to be places where people can go and do these things that are like not in the streets. You know what I mean? Maybe there should be like a drag strip or something. I mean, I'm fine with them doing it in the streets if they can do it safely, mm-hmm. and if they can, you know, keep. You know, father, whatever, from trying to cross the street. That's generally, as I understand it, why they do these things at like two o'clock in the morning, right? That's true. The streets are emptier and stuff like that. But it would be better if they had some sort of speedway or somewhere they could go where it was a legal. Not that I particularly care about that, but it also means they're not going to have to deal with pedestrians and people parking their cars and all that sort of thing. 
Well, again, you know, you've got a problem here with uh, the tragedy of the commons. People want to go down and use the streets they paid for to do drag racing on, and the police don't want to do anything about it. You're about out of options as far as what to do about this situation. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you're invited if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian and Aria. Join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. And you can help support the show by doing what KC Masterpiece did and join the AMPS program. It's a Patreon that we set up several months ago to replace the old AMPS system. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. If you want to help us do more Free Talk Live, get on more radio stations, and spread the ideas of liberty, then you can help us out like KC Masterpiece, who is a gold level, which means KC is contributing at at least 10 bucks a month. So thank you, KC, for that. And all we ask for is 5 bucks a month, though, so please head over to amps.freetalklive.com. You can support the show there. Sign up via your debit card, credit card, or your PayPal account through Patreon at amps.freetalklive.com. We go back to your calls and thoughts, and we'll get into El Salvador's president and some of the latest thuggery that he's been involved in. Aria's got that story on the way, but first, Dan is in Nebraska. You're on Free Talk Live, Dan. Ian and Aria, you know, uh, been listening to your guys' show tonight, and I, I I heard the bit earlier about uh, the bird flu and how you guys are right. You know, people are not going to be getting the bird flu from eating the chicken. And I do think, however, even though that's not the case, it's worth it's worth thinking about how many how many diseases people get from eating meat and uh, how many. Uh, zoonotic diseases end up becoming, uh, you know, incredibly infectious when uh, considering whether or not to have a plant-based lifestyle. Are you a vegetarian not, or vegan? Yes, I didn't see that. I'm not vegan. Coming. I'm not okay. vegan. I'm not vegan. Vegetarian. vegetarian. Okay. What was the word you used? Zoonotic. Uh, zoonotic. I hope that's the right word. Uh, it's yeah, zoonotic diseases. It's just means like a disease that came from animals and ah. you know that's like SARS and MERS Ebola mm-hmm. you know a lot of these originally came from you know basically the kind these are diseases that are you're much more likely to have infect when you have meat at such an industrial scale that it all has to be you know done in these close quarters Super effectively, you're talking well, about a lot of people that buy meats large. are buying locally if they can. There, or they're buying, uh, you know, like uh, pasture raised chickens. So not everybody is purchasing. You think a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know what percentage. I would also point out that it has not been that long since the latest E. coli outbreak in spinach or broccoli or mm, lettuce or that something like too, that. Salmonella that, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, vegetables get spread diseases to people all the time, dude. That's that's a great point. Uh, but to the point about the the eggs, I mean, I see them in every grocery store, which means that there's enough people buying them to make stocking them on the shelves worth doing, right? Like you gross, mean like farm fresh eggs? Uh, I don't know if they're farm fresh, but uh, pasture raised chickens, for instance, which I looked up the difference between free range and pasture raised, they sound similar, right? Um, but I, I would have assumed they were about they were 
I'm I'm probably an advocate of both, I would imagine. Apparently, the free range, if I recall correctly, means that they're housed in like a barn or whatever, but there's a door and they can leave if they want to. And then pasture raised is they're just outside and then there's a place they can go for shelter. Uh, so the pasture raised ones are you're likely to get more yellow or like more orange colored yolks because they're okay. just they they're healthier. They eat more grass and like bugs and, and stuff like that. Was it? It was an interesting dif- distinction, and uh, and their yolks are much or more orange. Uh, it's like very That's interesting. dark. Yeah, because I tend to buy like you know farm. I I don't remember the terminology they use, but they they're supposedly organic. You know, non industrial eggs mm-hmm. from like Market Basket. But recently at um at Market Day here in Westmoreland, I got some actual one hundred percent for for real straight from the farm. Yeah. Chicken eggs, mm-hmm. and I'm really interested now to try them to see what the difference is because they look, they visibly are different. Are they, they bigger? They they're not bigger, but they mm. look like like speckled Easter eggs already, right? They already have the different colors to them. They're not a solid brown or a solid white or anything like that. And I don't know why that is, but I saw it. I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Not sure, I want to eat that, but okay. So, Dan, are you one of these evangelical uh, vegetarians who's trying to convert everybody? Because those are fun people. Mm, that's so. Here's what I would say: I have actually had success in my life of converting people by being a very gracious and patient and non-abrasive uh, person. You know, I try to live by setting example, and it's actually worked for me, if you believe it. No, I, be- I, I, I would believe be- that entirely. I'm just curious: what benefit is there in having a vegetarian in being a vegetarian well so for me personally i uh i also do like i try to work out i'm not i'm i'm somebody who i think if you're someone who is kind of imperfect about staying in shape like physically and you go vegetarian and you're trying to lose weight i will tell you this being a vegetarian it gives you a lot more like wiggle room if you're somebody who is a uh, inconsistent, maybe a bad Catholic for a jogger, because, you know, I think that it helps me, you know, have a figure I like, and uh, it's super easy to get looking cut if you're interested in, in getting like that from the vegetarian perspective. Um, other than that, I I've think, never uh, heard this claim a lot that, that uh, not, people not, not, eating... Not bulk up, not bulk up, not bulk up, but get more cut. For sure. Yeah, I've never I've never yeah. heard that claim. I mean, generally, it's people that put the time in to exercising are going to get those results, regardless do, of whether they eat both. meat. Have, of course, you have to do both or vegetables. But, um, so, what does the vegetarianism have to do with it? If you know, I can achieve well, the same I, results. I eat, I eat I eat I eat so much less fat just every day passively that it uh you know it spares me a lot of what other people are going to have to put on and work off. You know, and okay, well, dude, when I was your age, and I'm really, I'm like a decade older than you, so it's not that far out. I, mm-hmm. I was eating like Burger King every single day, and <sighs> I didn't, you know, put on 150 pounds or whatever. So yeah, I, it just I, depends I, on. Your I think it has more to do with the fact that you know who, you're 22 years would, old. That helps. Well, listen, I, I had a I had a buddy who, you know, he well, like I started being a vegetarian when we were in high school. And he was a, a football player, and he ended up. First, you know, obviously being football player size when we were in high school, but then when we were in college, he also ended up putting on a lot of weight. And 
after about like a couple of years ago, he ended up going vegetarian and he lost a lot of that, you know, college weight. Was he drinking also, in college? That was going to be my question. Uh, yeah, I, you know, to be fair, I think he drinks a lot less than he did at the time, but I also don't That's going to be a major that factor. That's a huge a factor huge. in whether or not somebody is. So you just did this to get uh, in your mind fit. You didn't do it because of concerns for animals. What was your motivation? Um, was there a girl I involved? Did, I did it out of concern. No, no, there was not. I was actually still a incel Terry at the time <laughs> I turned into a vegetarian. Um, what happened was uh, I, I do start out. I did start my own personal journey with rooted in ethics and and stuff. But I think that's not the best thing to lead with, honestly. All right. Hey, whatever works for you, man. Thanks for the call tonight. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. If you want to get cut, then just do some workouts, right? Like, just get regular with that. That probably works. Follow a schedule. There's a cool little app called Home Workout. You don't even need to use any uh, weights. It'll get you a little bit of uh, weight loss, a little bit of show talk about drag races vegetarianism uh the eu cracking down on self-hosted crypto wallets whatever is on your mind with you tonight it's ian and aria don't forget you can join us online over at freetalklive.com we love odyssey odyssey is the youtube killer it is out there just snatching people away from YouTube because they actually care about freedom of speech over on Odyssey. It's actually a system that is originally based on library, and we've been using library for years here on Free Talk Live. Library is an uncensorable protocol for media sharing, meaning you can upload any media that you want to it. Videos are the most common, but you could put MP3s up there. You can put, uh, I think, just like text a zip file or whatever. I think you can put all kinds of stuff up on. Yeah, when Defense distributed, that would be the 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 ghost gun, the three D mm-hmm. printed gun thing. When they released their documents online, I immediately threw them on library. Nice, because you can put PDFs or whatever those documents were called. I don't remember now. I don't think they were PDFs. The three D printable things. Yeah, whatever those are. The schematics. Yeah. Um, but uh, check out lbry.com to learn more about the tech behind Odyssey, and then follow our Odyssey channel over at video.freetalklive.com. It's where we stream every single night. We're streaming on other platforms. Platforms, but they're all sensor happy. So if you want to get us where we're not going to disappear tomorrow, go to video.freetalklive.com. Aria, let's get into Naib Bukele. He is the president, El Presidente, or dictator, as some might say, in El Salvador. I mean, we've had criticisms of this guy pretty much from the beginning, if I recall yeah. correctly. Because, yes, he's, he's friendly to Bitcoin, but he's also said some really shady stuff well now he's doing shady stuff well he's been doing shady stuff we're just hearing about it true according to uh this news outlet in france el salvador president says six thousand gang members arrested they lead off with more than six thousand gang members which i want to clarify there's absolutely no evidence that these six thousand people are gang members and we're, we're going to get into the, well, reason the president for that. said so yes i've seen him posting on twitter pictures of men shirtless lined up next to one another in handcuffs but they've been in spanish and i just haven't bothered to translate it so i suspect that's what he's been posting he's been bragging about 
Yeah, but it, it kind of doesn't mean anything when you when you haven't tried these people mm, or actually right? charged them or presented any evidence against them. It, it kind of is meaningless for you to call them gang members. And that's, of course, what they're doing well, there. Well, not to the people who believe in the law mentality, right? Like, oh, well, whatever the law says must be true. Whatever the state says must be true. Oh, someone was arrested, so therefore they must be a criminal. I mean, those, those people exist in the United States. They certainly exist in El Salvador. I know, but it's so weird that those people exist, man. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to reach them. I don't know how to reach people who think that because the president said these 6,000 people are gang members, they must therefore be guilty of being gang members. I don't think we can reach those people. And even so, there. Last I checked, it wasn't illegal to be in a gang. It, Good point. It may get you some conspiracy charges, depending on what other gang members are doing, but I don't think it's against the law to be a gang member. At least in the United States, I don't think it is. That's true. I don't know what the status is in El Salvador, but the Central American country declared the emergency measures, because there are emergency measures, and we're going to get into those a little bit, which allows the arrest of, quote, gang members without a warrant. Last week, after 87 reported killings from March the 25th to the 27th. And that sounds like a lot. I don't know how big El Salvador is or what its population is like. but so 80, several million. 87 over three days, basically. And on Monday, the president said that the 6,000 detained in a little over a week. 6,000 people arrested in a little a over a week. People. There's zero chance these people got are going to get any sort of due process. And think about the conditions of the jails. Think about how overcrowded they must be. And this guy doesn't care. This piece of work, he is a monster. Mm. This is being added to the 16,000 gang members already incarcerated in El Salvador's prisons. Speaking at a police barracks in the capital, San Salvador, because of course he would do this at a police barracks because he's a monster. He's a tyrant. And that's where they go to express their tyranny is to the police barracks. Bukele addressed public concerns of gangs, quote, taking revenge on the population due to the massive arrest operations. If they commit an act of revenge, quote, there will not even be one mill in the prisons, the president said. Yes, if if the gangs out there in the streets do something, quote, in revenge for these 6,000 arrests, they're going to starve the people in prison who wow. by definition had nothing to do with it because they're busy being in prison insane he adds that's that's like north korea level stuff right where if you're in north korea and you do something against the state they will punish you and your direct family members and in many cases other like tangentially related family members so like they might arrest your uncle or your cousin even though you haven't seen them in you know a decade or whatever, yep. you you have no connection with them in your life just because they're your family, and that's how they get it, people. It is. I mean, these people in prison, these six thousand or sixteen thousand, well now twenty two thousand people, they can't exact revenge out there in society. So you're punishing the innocent for what other people have done. Hold on, did you say there are twenty two thousand gang members in prison? Well, there's twenty two thousand allegedly. Right, there's 16,000 already incarcerated in El Salvador's prisons. And we're just talking about gang members specifically. Yes, and they just added 6,000. And, you know, uh, I used to watch a lot of prison documentaries. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact specifics of prisons in El Salvador, but it's a Central American country. And I can tell you off of watching these videos, they're not known for having American-style prisons. No, in fact, um, when I was 
when you were bringing this up, it made me think, have we talked about El Salvador before? Because I know we've talked about some of these Central American countries and their prisons, specifically, uh, well, Venezuela is technically South American, but and the, the tremendous overcrowding and such. And sure enough, from the BBC, this is actually from the year 2020, so it's a couple of years old now, but uh, the El Salvador's prisons have a capacity of 18,051, but the system currently holds more than 38,000 inmates. So they Good are Lord. at, at pr- approximately double capacity uh, right now, it, well, you know, as of a couple of years ago, and now just throw another 6,000 people in there. I mean, you're talking about, like, have you seen the pictures from China of dogs in cages? They're horrifying, so I imagine you wouldn't want to look at them for more than a fraction of a second. But, I have not seen those, but it sounds horrifying. But, like, with the dogs that they're going to slaughter to cook, they just stack them in cages, like, on top of one another and such. This reminds me of that, but human beings, the pictures that I'm seeing here from, uh, from El Salvador. Like, a ton of people in these cages. And this guy doesn't care. Listen to this. I swear to God that they will not eat a single grain of rice. And we will see how long they last. And I don't care what international organizations say. Wow. So he's he's totally okay with yeah. starving these people who are already being forced into overcrowded prisons. Jeez. All without due process, without evidence, without warrants, without trials. They're just arresting 6,000 people in the last week and throwing them in overcrowded prisons. Besides arrests without a warrant, the emergency measures, which last for one month, also restrict freedom of assembly, while telephone calls and emails can be intercepted without a court order. So they can listen to everyone's phone calls, they can intercept and read everyone's emails, and they can restrict freedom of assembly, probably some other stuff, too. I doubt this is an all-inclusive list of things that they're allowed to do under these hmm. emergency orders. But, I mean, Great. we thought the emergency orders or the state of emergency here in the United States were bad. This is horrifying. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the pro-Bitcoin guy, right? This is the, the savior of the Bitcoin community out there doing these horrific, suspending freedom of assembly. Yeah, and it's amazing how many of these Bitcoiners will look the other way. Yeah. They'll just celebrate Naib Bukele as this great man or whatever, and he's a, just another tyrant. He wears his backwards hat, though, so he's really cool looking. Bukele added that he had ordered the construction of a maximum security prison with a capacity of 20,000 inmates. Wow. Expand the jails. He sure. said there are only two ways, jail or death. What a monster, yeah. man. What a piece of work this guy really is. I'm really glad his little Bitcoin project failed. Well, and I don't remember what um, story it was. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it. There was an interesting story we shared from one of these countries about how there's actually, in a lot of ways, more freedom in some of these prisons than on the outside because they're basically completely controlled by the gangs. Like the gangs have their, oh, yeah. they have their hoes come into the prison, and nice. they can just do things <laughs> with them. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about the prisons in El Salvador where you say, Aria, it is actually illegal to simply be in a gang. 
Apparently so. Uh, According to this article last week, the ruling party controlled parliament reformed the penal code to increase the maximum sentence for gang membership from nine to 45 years insane in prison just for being in a gang that's the and maximum how do you prove that? like you said they're just throwing people in prison cells it doesn't even sound like they're getting a trial but how would you even prove that you're not in a gang what well, in theory they would have to prove that you were in a gang yeah. right but all of that sort of gets suspended and that's only in the united states i don't know if you know wait uh, what's in the united states the presumption of oh the presumption innocence. of innocence yeah I mean, in El Salvador, maybe maybe it's not that way, but hmm. apparently they can. It doesn't matter because they can just sort of grab you off the street and throw you in prison anyway. And illegal. Well, it's they made it legal, but read all of your emails, intercept your text messages, and all of that other wonderful, great stuff that you know. Liberty and Bitcoin cryptocurrency enthusiasts are well known for being fans of. It's amazing to me. Um, you. You mentioned this guy wears a backwards hat. He does everything he does to try to present this image of being this cool, cool crypto bro. But dude, yeah. you're a monster. Yeah. Well, surprise, surprise. A president is a monster. A top politician is a scumbag. A top politician doesn't care about people's rights. We saw the same thing from the guy in New York, right? Or New York City who ran for mayor or whatever. He was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a cool crypto guy. Yeah. Wait, no, I mean, I'm going to do whatever the health department says for me to do. Which now apparently was to um, undo the mask mandate for adults, but still force children, the youngest set of children, like under the age of five or something, to wear masks. That's the current controversy uh, in the the New York City COVID rules. So children still have to wear them? Correct. The smallest of children are still being told they have to wear masks. Because they can't get vaccinated, I guess? I guess that's the the claim, even though there's no chance that they're going to die or you know have any kind of real issue from getting COVID. Uh, but regardless, that's that's the latest there. Uh, there. The story I'd mentioned before we went to the break there is from Reason.com. They have a really interesting 16-minute little documentary piece about Venezuela's prisons, which are also overcrowded, just like in El Salvador. And uh, in Venezuela, they are governed by criminal gangs, the prisons themselves. Uh, The inmates have overtaken many prisons in Venezuela, armed with automatic weapons and grenades. They're governed by criminal gangs led by a pran, or a kingpin, who strictly enforces a thug code by which all prisoners must abide or they'll be shot in various body parts. Why don't they just leave then? I mean, if you control the prison, just leave the prison, right? It's too dangerous for guards or federal troops to enter, so they patrol the perimeter and train their rifles on any inmate who tries to leave. So there's why, why, why? How do you get it? How do you get an inmate to become the guard of the their own prison? You've got the guns. Just walk away. Just like, hey guys, they handed us these guns to keep people in. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be here anymore. So let's let's all sixteen of us who they handed these automatic weapons to just not be here anymore. And they gave us the weapons. So what are they going to do about it? They're throwing a huge party though inside the walls. The prisoners have formed functional independent societies with open air bazaars, offering everything from Coca Cola to crack cocaine. Yes, but you can get all of that in out there in the real world. Sure, but then you might get arrested and killed by the cops. Okay, fair <laughs> point. Several days a week, they welcome their girlfriends, wives, children, and extended families for visits, birthday parties, and even music festivals. 
<laughs> Communal activities are funded by La Causa, or The Cause, a tax that the prison's de facto government collects from most inmates. I love inmates. that they call it a tax. They're collected from inmates to purchase goods that come to the facility. If they don't pay, they are sent to the church, which, which acts as both a house of worship and a debtor's prison within the prison. La Causa, a new documentary from 29-year-old filmmaker Andres Figueredo Thompson, is a raw look inside uh, at life inside what was, at the time of production, Venezuela's largest prison. Filmed over the course of eight years, the documentary explores the structure of its self-organized society, where dissenters and those deemed social radicals were treated harshly. LGBT inmates, for example, were cast out and forced to live on the roof of one of the buildings. Favorite. I mean, that sucks, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you don't want them there, just let them leave, right? <laughs> hey, we don't want you gay people. But then the guards with the guns will force them back. So there's actual guards somewhere on the perimeter, like away from firing range, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, presumably this king... Oh, the actual... The actual Venezuelan are, guards. Okay. Yeah. Figueredo Thompson was a 19-year-old high school senior in 2010 when he started capturing remarkable footage inside the prison as the socialist strongman president Hugo Chavez dismantled democratic institutions and seized control of private businesses. With Venezuela sliding further into authoritarianism, Figueredo Thompson's family was soon targeted. His stepfather, Guillermo Zulaga, led one of the last independent media outlets in the country. After Chavez seized most of the others, he fought escalating government harassment for years as he continued to expose the vast human cost of Chavez's regime's policies. But a year after Thompson began producing La Causa, Chavez declared Zulaga a political enemy of the revolution, forcing his family to flee the U.S., the prison population has exploded in recent years as the regime of Chavez's successor, Nicolas Maduro, has cracked down on mostly poor Venezuelans for alleged petty offenses. La Causa builds to a dramatic finish as the military embarks on a campaign to retake several inmate-run prisons, setting up a showdown in 2016 at the prison where Figueredo Thompson shot most of his footage. It's just I don't know why they would want... It sounds like it's doing just fine under the care of the... Of the prisoners, of the people who are in prison, right? Well, you know governments. They don't like to lose control of things, so they're going to send the military in to try to take it back. I mean, it's, it's not like the Venezuelan military is going to be any better to the LGBT people than the prison than the inmates themselves. So there's yeah. nothing to be gained from any social justice perspective. And I don't mean that in the leftist sense, but just in the sense of a society trying to be just and doing good things. The, the military isn't going to do any better of a job than the prisoners. And as you pointed out, they're probably safer in the prison than they would be out there in the streets of Venezuela. It's a crazy story, and I'll put a link to it here on our social media so you can see this. Again, there's a 16-minute reason piece, and then there's the documentary itself. So I've only seen the 16-minute piece, which was absolutely fascinating. And the documentary is, you know, an hour and 20 minutes or whatever. So if you want to look into this, uh, it's... It's amazing. Uh, so I'll share that over at social.freetalklive.com. You can hop over there. But let's get back into Naib Bukele. We talked about how he's treating alleged gang members. He's just snatching them off the streets and throwing them in already overcrowded facilities. One other article I was looking at about El Salvador's facilities said they had um, 90 men in a cell designed for 30. Yikes. So just try to imagine. like That's where you get your LGBT people from, by the way. <laughs> You cram necessity. Yeah, you cram ninety men in a room that's designed to hold thirty. They start running out of space. So CoinDesk reporting on uh, strong evidence. 
that Nayib Bukele has sought to undermine freedom of speech in the Central American nation, according to a joint investigation by Salvadoran news outlet El Faro, Toronto-based Citizen Lab, and digital rights nonprofit Access Now. The cell phones of at least 22 of El Faro's journalists were infected with spyware known as Pegasus over the last two years. Other journalists. Pegasus, and, I've heard of that before. Didn't yeah, it? we did a report. I think somebody on Free Talk Live that was brought developed that in. in like conjunction with the U.S. military or something. Right? I don't remember where it came from, but it's bad news. And and governments that don't care about you know your right to freedom of speech will use that stuff to spy on people. Uh, other journalists and human rights activists were also targeted. Pegasus has previously been used against journalists or other so-called undesirables in nations like India, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Morocco, Rwanda, and Saudi Arabia. The report should trigger serious reflection among Bitcoiners. While Bukele's move to adopt Bitcoin as an alternative to the dollar in El Salvador has great potential for freeing the developed world from the yoke of the global financial establishment, his authoritarian behavior here is anathema to the cyber-libertarian ideals that underpin cryptocurrency. Who's this article from? This is Coindesk. Wow. Dot com. Nice. Uh, Published in January of this year. Uh, Pegasus, produced by an Israeli firm, NSO Group, allows not just the monitoring of victims' communications, but deeper access to device data. The Alfaro investigation, whose findings were certified by Amnesty International, found data had been exfiltrated from the devices of at least 11 journalists. The tool had been previously used in acts of violent suppression. NSO and Pegasus have been linked to the murders of Mexican opposition journalist Cecilio Birto and Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. That was when it was brought to our attention, and the NSO Group was like, no, we make them promise. They're only going to use it for terrorists. That's right. And everyone's like, oh, okay, that's fine then. So more about this thug in charge there in El Salvador, this Bukele, uh, in moments. Hour number three on the way, 603-283-6160. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want here at the number 603-283-6160. We're talking about the president of El Salvador that we've been critical of since day number one, I want to point out here on Free Talk Live, because we didn't have to know the details. We didn't have to know about... That's how true. He's treating the uh, the gang members there and throwing them into jails and prisons without any kind of trials. We didn't have to know about all the details about how he's cracking down on uh, people just for using their freedom of speech, putting spy software, as they're pointing out here at Coindesk.com, on the phones of at least 22 journalists working for El Faro, which is a uh, El Salvador news outlet. We don't have to know about these things. And the reason why is because he's a politician. And so we already know he's going to be corrupt. We already well, know. I mean, yes, that that's true. But, I mean, you do have some politicians who aren't necessarily so bad, like Ron Paul and stuff Ron like that. Ron Paul, but he's the one guy that you can really point in, to, like, on the entire planet. In theory, this guy could have been like that. I thought what you I were getting at was that, you know— been. We knew he was bad news from his implementation of Bitcoin well, as we knew the that legal too. tender. That, yes. that was when we were like, oh, yeah, this guy, he, he kind of sucks, doesn't he? Yeah, well, what do you mean by that is he is mandating in the, in the law that they passed, and it's not just him, like the parliament right. or whatever they call it down there passed this thing. If he had 
you know, if they hadn't voted for it, it wouldn't have been that way. So all of them are responsible who uh, voted for this thing, which mandates the acceptance of Bitcoin. Now, he said publicly that it wouldn't be mandated. So there is that. But, but the law it's still is there. a mandate. The law is They're still there. They're just not enforcing it. Right. And they can enforce it anytime they want to against whoever it is that they want to enforce it. And as we've seen with what they did to the gang members or are doing to gang members down there. <laughs> To the people they're pointing their fingers at and calling and gang claiming, members. Right. They're just throwing them in prison cells, which are already insanely overcrowded, as many Central American and South American prisons are. Can you are. imagine being thrown in a Central American prison? No. Uh, no. I mean, it, I, mean, America, I mean, an American prison would suck. I've been in a cell that had more people in it that, you know, than really should have been there in the United States in a relatively well-run uh, facility in a, a facility that's not run by you know psychopaths it's here in was here in new hampshire they ended up closing that jail and building a new one in in Keene. but they had four guys in a cell that really should have only had two but it wasn't the war you know the end of the world or anything like that we're talking there was about, air conditioning and stuff yeah, right yeah in uh, El i mean there are jails here in the united states where they don't have uh, air conditioning oh, yeah. and we will hear about those again this summer I, uh, there was one guy I was in jail with uh, when I was in for civil disobedience a decade ago who told me about how he was in a holding cent- uh, holding cell in a Massachusetts jail where they had like 100 or 150 people and one toilet in the middle of the room. Oh, man. Yeah. That's awful. And everyone was watching like as you tried to go. So he, he Was said, it like a ritual or like everyone just sort of stared at you? There's no, I mean, there's nowhere else to look unless you can look outside the cell. I guess. <laughs> he said but he was, I would want to look anywhere yeah, else, right? Yeah, for sure. Like your eyes that's the least desirable place to be looking. Yeah, I, there are other options, obviously. You can look up in a corner or something like that, right? But with that many people in the cell, somebody's going to be There's going to be some weirdo, you. man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Who's like probably not even just being weird about it, just is crazy. Yeah, there's that too. Plenty of that in jails. And so, then there's probably the people who are being weird about it, and you don't want them watching. So we we knew this guy was bad news simply because, uh, look, I'm just going to jump to that conclusion. I'm not going to give a politician the benefit of the doubt, generally. I, I'm not going to say, oh, this guy could be Ron Paul. No. Right. Like, unless, like, we would have heard probably if there was another Ron Paul somewhere in the world. And if there is, I want to know about it. But, you know, for, from what I can tell, That's Ron true. Paul is a unique beast. And one that we will probably never see at levels of power like that again. Um, But let's go on. So from Coindesk, and this is written in sort of the first person, I guess it's an editorial piece, David Z. Morris, or opinion piece. He says, up until this point, I've been skeptical about attempts to paint Bukele, that's the president of El Salvador, as a nascent dictator. Much of the anti-Bukele rhetoric in the Anglophone press has focused on his replacement of judges and one theatrical display of military strength alongside derogatory statements from developed world governments. I forgot about that thing with the judges. We talked about that as well. Where he stacked the Supreme Court so he could have uh, a second term. Yeah, and didn't he remove some Supreme Courts and... I mean, some Supreme Justices and, like, rewrite their constitution or something to that effect. I know that he wanted to put people friendly to him in so he could override the term limits restriction. There was previously a restriction on one term for a president. Now there's not. Amazing how that worked out. Uh, These struck me as hard to take at face value, given El Salvador's extremely complex modern political history, entrenched corruption, and culpability of countries like the U.S. in fomenting the very instability that might have made strong-arm tactics necessary for Bukele's reformist agenda. 
But spying on opposition journalists is several orders of magnitude more reprehensible to me than any other claims made about Bukele so far. I am admittedly biased, but the suppression of information is a fundamental attack on the good and fair functioning of any society. He says this puts Bitcoiners in a particular... in a particular in a bind. With its roots in crypto-anarchist and digital libertarian ideals, the Bitcoin community is ideologically hostile to both state power and digital surveillance. Well, he says that, but if that were true, then why is this guy so popular? Why amongst Bitcoiners? Why has this why has he been given a pass on all of the things that he has done? These Bitcoiners, they some of them the new version, right? Like yeah, the, there's two different right. cryptocurrency worlds here. There's there's the Bitcoiner world, the maximalist. What? I mean, there's some overlap, but the maximalist thing that's completely irrelevant. There's people who view cryptocurrencies as a way to make money, as a way mm-hmm. to profit, right? And then there's people who advocate them for ideological reasons, as a way to say undermine the banking system yes. and the fiat money out there, and actually put power of money into the hands of the individual and empower the individual instead of the bankers and the governments of and the world. Those these, people. These two groups are often at odds, but it's the Bitcoiners. Uh, I say Bitcoiners, but it's these people who view cryptocurrencies as a way of making a profit, as assets, as stocks to be bought and sold and profited from. It's those. Who are fans of this guy. Those are the ones who we see cozying up with the U.S. politicians and the European politicians and trying to curry favor like the guy from Coinbase going to D.C. and having to trying to meet with the SEC and, you know, just trying to do whatever kind of, uh, you know, like I said, curry favor, trying to get them to scratch scratch his back so he'll scratch theirs, that kind of thing. The usual log rolling and nonsense that goes on in D.C., well... When a politician in South America decides that he's going to be a Bitcoin buddy, then they cozy up with this guy, too, and they look the other way on what he does outside of the Bitcoin sphere. Uh, He points out here in this article that... The sentiment is so strong that many in the community bristled at a provision in El Salvador's law that seemed to mandate the acceptance of Bitcoin by retailers. The new report should offend those critics at least as deeply. It's notable that this is not the first time the crypto industry has been asked to pass judgment on the ethics of state-backed digital espionage. After Coinbase acquired a blockchain analytics company called Neutrino in early 2019, I and other investigators and reporters highlighted the company's deep ties to a black hat organization known as Hacking Team. Oh, that's right. Hacking Team had sold invasive spyware to repressive regimes, which used the tools to target dissidents and journalists. After fierce backlash from the crypto community, Coinbase ultimately fired former Hacking Team members from Neutrino and admitted the acquisition had been a failure of due diligence. Dude, I forgot that happened. I didn't know that story. It was 2019, so I think we talked about it on Call to Freedom back then, but it it was... they're they're so evil and they do so many evil things that it's hard to remember. Point you know, yeah, mean? it's hard to remember them. You know, hiring this particular firm. The decision facing Bitcoin advocates may be more complex now. El Salvador is a valuable testing ground for the digital currency. But if El Faro's findings are true, it seems clear the Bukele administration can no longer be considered a trustworthy partner. Beyond, as though you could ever consider a government a trustworthy <laughs> partner. There's no such thing as a trustworthy government. I learned from the Native Americans that you can't trust governments. Right. And it hasn't gotten better since then. They've just gotten better at covering up their crimes. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We get to say we told you so about this thug 
uh, down there in El Salvador. There have been there's been bad news about him since long before this crypto uh, Bitcoin deal. More coming up. Free talk live. is Free Talk Live. Ian and Aria in the studio. You can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. At 603-283-6160. We are a couple months away now from ForkFest, the sixth annual ForkFest. It is going to be here before you know it. Actually, I guess not quite two months, but maybe two and a half or so. I always look forward to Fork Fest, but mm-hmm. this year, the number one reason I'm looking forward to it is for the dog, because I Aww. know she's going to love it. Absolutely. I mean, she loved it last year. So many people. It's... Dogs that love people yeah. love the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Fork Fest. Uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is, I, I think, nearly sold out. I, I believe it's technically oversold at this point. They've sold more tickets than they had originally intended to sell, so you may not even be able to, to get those at this point. Um, if if so, you can go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, to check them out. But the Forkfest comes the week after, June 27th through July 3rd. And it's going to be at the same place, of course, the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire at Rogers Campground. All you need to do to attend Forkfest is register your campsite or your RV site or your motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no tickets for Forkfest. It's a decentralized libertarian camping event. And uh, it's a lot smaller than the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but it's a different event. It's decentralized, meaning that the creators of um, whatever happens are you, basically. Whatever it is that you want to see happen, you got to make it happen. Uh, so it's more for the kind of the uh, the self-starters, the entrepreneurial types, the people that are the doers. So get on over to ForkFest.Party. You can learn more about the event there and connect with other attendees in advance via the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms which I believe are connected together uh, with one another. And there's also a forum as well, so you can connect with other people that are attending at ForkFest.Party. As we go to your phone calls and thoughts, more about Nayib Bukele, the president dictator of El Salvador, and what he's been doing that the Bitcoiners want to look away from and ignore conveniently. Uh, but let's talk to Shirley. Shirley, you're on the air. Hi, hon. Hey, My name up? is Shirley Suzanne Nichols. Welcome. You're on the air. You're calling from uh, Nevada, listening to K-Talks. Yes, Laughlin, Nevada. And um, September 17, 2017, I went to Mexico and had my teeth done. Trump was there also. And, he was um, at your I dentist? Told him, um, no, honey, he was there at the border, and I tried to kill his ass. What? And that's why the Mexicans let me go. My name is Shirley Suzanne Lindley also. Hold on a second. Let and me see if I'm following what you're say, saying. You're saying you went oh, to no. Mexico... To yep. go get your teeth done, encountered yep-er. Donald Trump in Mexico? Uh, yep. yep And you attempted uh, to, to murder him? him at, uh, no, I cussed his ass out at the border. <clears throat> you what his ass? At- cussed. LRN.FM. Too far. She uh, said she was listening to uh, the you know, broadcast there in K-Talks, or on K-Talks, and I guess she doesn't understand the rules of the radio, and that is you can't say the S word on broadcast. I I was curious to know how the story was going to go from her cussing out Donald Trump to her attempting to kill him. Yeah, so that that was the part that threw me because I mean, 
it's what look if i saw done I, I probably wouldn't you know cuss him out either i just like dude that was some good trolling you did i get it <laughs> but that that would if he was like i wasn't trolling i would i was totally sincere the entire time at that point i would probably want to cuss him out like <laughs> oh well then you're kind of a jerk then aren't you he might deserve it for um not letting ross ulbricht out of prison and not That's pardoning true. uh edward snowden there are plenty and, of good reasons yeah. to to you know be hostile verbally toward Donald no Trump. Doubt. But that's there's a huge gap between me wanting to tell Donald Trump to go away yes. using creative language and, and to kill attempted murder, yeah. which I am not an advocate of. Definitely not. Well, um, she's called back, but I don't think I should let her back on because she was, you know, didn't, I don't think, I don't know, Arya, should we, should we give her another go? I we have a dump button. That's we do ready. have a dump button. All right, we're gonna give it one more time. LRN.FM. That's what I get for trying to give somebody a second chance. Now we know. And the weird thing is, she was just talking. I think she thought she was on the air the entire time when she was actually on hold. Oh, because when I went to her be. line, she's just yammering away. Yeah. So that's what I get. Well, now we know. Yeah. All right, try to be nice. You try to do the, you know, you try to help somebody out. Give them, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, see, I I was under the assumption that like she had, you know, realized, "Oh, I can't say that and tried to call back." Yeah, or that's something. what a like I mean, a kind person yeah. would do. I'm like, "Oh my god, you guys, I'm so sorry." Right. I didn't mean to like I got try so, to get you fined by the FCC or anything. I got anything. so upset about Donald Trump, I just couldn't hold back. I'm sorry. You no, know, instead she comes in with the F bomb. I mean, just time. about all of us has accidentally done it at one yeah. point. Yeah, I think all of us have. It uh, maybe Bonnie hasn't, but oh, that's true. But she's. Only I, I haven't heard her do it yet. Yeah. I know I've done it at least once on accident. I have never said the. I F-bomb. think you were in jail when it happened. I got so worked up about something oh, wow. that I don't. Someone else caught it. I was like Arya, dump that. And I was. What are you talking about? But yeah, dump just, yourself. You mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just came straight out. Uh, all right. So the number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Back to Coindesk.com, the story about El Salvador's president, uh, dictator, Nayib Bukele. And the the guy writing this is interesting because he says, oh, well, you know, I I was willing to look the other way, he says, about Bukele stacking the court and, like, forcing out judges that were against him. See, that's this guy's problem, though. If you look the other way about the little evil things they do, then they're going to continue doing more and more evil things. And you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have looked the other way back when they were just killing those orphans. So then they did something, or Bukele did something that this guy considers to be, well, sounds like unforgivable. Uh, They spied on journalists, put spyware on journalists' phones, about two dozen journalists. So that's where the journalist is drawing the line. Yeah, surprise, right? The journalist is concerned about that. He says that uh, beyond the simple ethics of supporting a regime that seeks anti-democratic methods of repressing its critics, the Bitcoin community must be vigilant about public perception given the continued widespread hostility toward cryptocurrency. A leader willing to use black ops spyware against his own citizens is not an acceptable figurehead for spreading Bitcoin adoption. He says, my sympathies here lie almost entirely with the journalists who've been targeted and harassed for attempting to inform Salvadorans about their own leadership. And I'm so tired of people calling these people leaders. Look, politicians are thugs. They're not leaders. Who would follow these people voluntarily? 
But it's also deeply personally disappointing. He says, I was hoping to visit El Salvador at some point this year and report on the status of the Bitcoin project there. That now appears considerably less feasible because it would potentially expose me and any other international journalists who travel there to ongoing surveillance by Nayib Bukele and his allies. I would have more sympathy for this guy if he had more sympathy for the judges or the Mm -hmm. other people that Bukele stepped over in order to secure his position of power. You know, he he didn't care about any of that until it was journalists and himself who was possibly at, at risk. risk and it's like dude have you never heard the poem i mean I, I don't remember what it's called now but that's essentially what it is you know you ignore how they how they target all of these other people but then finally oh, they target first they you. came for the trade unionists and i was not yeah. a trade unionist and so i didn't say anything and, and, and that's verbatim what, yeah that's verbatim what this guy is saying huh. he was doing all these terrible things and i was going to give him a pass but then he came up to the journalist and i was like wait a minute i'm a journalist Yep. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can share your thoughts with us. These Bitcoiners need to stop cozying up with these politicians because they are not good people. There's more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian with you. And Aria. Don't forget you can join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. And we do have a chat server. It's called a matrix server, and that means that it is open source. It's self-hosted. It's free software. Uh, we're running the thing on our server, and you can go over there and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners anytime you want, 24 hours a day. Create your own rooms if you want to. There's already dozens of rooms there created by listeners just like you. There may be more than dozens that are private. I have no idea. As an admin, we don't even know who makes private rooms on I, the server. I've declined dozens. Of invites? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to imagine there's probably hundreds of rooms at this point. Yeah, it's a pretty cool little server, and you can go check it out. Go get the details on how to join at chat.freetalklive.com. That's chat.freetalklive.com. So since we've been so critical of the El Salvadoran president tonight, Nayib Bukele, I did want to say something nice about him. Not because I'm planning on visiting his country or anything like that. Uh, you know, We've been mostly critical of him here, but... Whenever the thugs fight each other, it can get kind of entertaining, right? Like we were just talking about Trump and some of the entertainment factor that we got from Trump. And he was entertaining. He he was tremendously entertaining. Yep. And I kind of hope to see him run again in 2024 just because I know that, I mean, his his chances of winning at this point are, are negligible. But it would be... So entertaining to watch him come to terms with that, mm. that 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 alone would make the entertainment value worth it. If he can go and like post somewhere, because he's not posting on his own Trump well, social, apparently. People are pressuring Musk now to allow to Trump back on. Trump, yeah, yeah, now that Musk is on the board of directors of Twitter. He may do it. That news just came out today. So here's kind of an entertaining story about Bukele, the El Salvadoran president who, again, was noteworthy for putting the Bitcoin law into place there, but otherwise is just another president and as corrupt as anybody else. But to his credit, he is pretty entertaining on uh, social media, kind of like Trump. 
Uh, yes. he, he doesn't ma- mind striking out at other governments around the world, and he has been critical, to his credit, of fiat currencies. Uh, so, and that may just be him pandering to the Bitcoin audience, but regardless, it is fun to see that happen. Well, El Salvador has no fiat currency of their own. Correct. Well, let me, they do have a fiat currency, they just don't print that fiat currency. They the have USD dollars. is their currency. As legal tender, correct. Uh, as is Bitcoin. But he's still personally, supposedly against fiat, and that's one of the reasons why he has introduced Bitcoin. Well, he, he made Bitcoin a fiat currency. It's a currency by decree. He has decreed it to be the currency of El Salvador. Hmm. Whether you can use the term fiat for Bitcoin is another debate. But here's what he did recently. Uh, Thehill.com reporting on El Salvador's president rebuking several U.S. senators recently for introducing legislation targeting the Latin American country's adoption of Bitcoin as a legal currency, referring to the lawmakers as boomers. <laughs> okay, Quote, that's good. Okay, boomers, you have zero jurisdiction on a sovereign and independent nation, he tweeted, saying further, quote, we are not your colony, your backyard, or your front yard. Stay out of our internal affairs. Don't try to control something you can't control, unquote. Now, what did the you, what did the boomers try to do? The tweet was in response to legislation proposed by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chairperson and some others, it was bipartisan, called the Accountability for Cryptocurrency in El Salvador Act, or the ACES Act. The legislation would have the State Department analyze the risk of Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador and propose a way to mitigate risk to the U.S. financial system. So they literally... So they know. They know, and they literally believe that the fact that Bitcoin is legal tender in this tiny little uh, Central American country with no more than 7 million people living it in it is somehow going to put some kind of stress on the, the dollar's domination. Well, it would if it had been rolled out and implemented properly, by which I mean in a voluntary way. If this guy used his position, his pulpit as the president to convince the people of El Salvador why it was so important, like, hey, look, guys. This USD that we like, I understand it's been reliable for the last decade or however long we've had it mm-hmm. as our legal currency, but look at what they've done in the last two or three years. With they, the printing. Yeah. This currency that you've been viewing as reliable, it's not going to be as reliable in the very near future. This is why you should get into these other types of currency. Right. How and about persuade, some gold? And yeah. persuade people instead of forcing them to do it. I would have been totally okay with that, even though he shouldn't be president because, you know, that's a politician. That's a political position that mm-hmm. he ran for that he's going to do immoral things with. He probably had to and do immoral been. things to get there. Yep. However, using that pulpit to do something good, like if we go back to Ron Paul, would have done if he had been president, presumably. Yeah. There are worse things in the world. But this guy didn't do that. He created, He rolled out this sloppy lightning network system that was I, – I don't remember the name of the company that did it, but it, they were not ready for prime time. No. And neither was their solution. And it's neither was even if they were the Lightning Network itself isn't ready for prime time. And that that was the backbone of their entire rollout here. Uh, One of the senators, James Risch, he's a Republican from Idaho, who's a co-sponsor of the bill, said, quote, El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender raises significant concerns about the economic stability and financial integrity of a vulnerable U.S. trading partner in Central America, he said. Saying further, quote, this new policy has the potential to weaken U.S. sanctions policy 
empowering maligned actors like China and organized criminal organizations. Our bipartisan legislation seeks greater clarity on El Salvador's policy and requires the administration to mitigate potential risks to the U.S. financial system. So basically, uh, I saw the news about this bill, this ACES bill, and it sounds like they just want to write a bunch of reports about El Salvador. Sure. That's what they do best. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, that's the that's the statement. So again, he's he's throwing it in the faces of the U.S. government, and I do appreciate him for doing that. Uh, and that's not the only th- time he's done that, obviously. But when he gets on Twitter, and I don't have the uh, the tweet in front of me, and he tweets constantly, so like to just go and scroll back, it would be very hard to find. But he has on more than one occasion bragged about how El Salvador is this sort of haven for freedom. That it's going to this, this some sort of this beacon for liberty or whatever. And it's like, no, obviously it's not. Anyone that looks for a moment at the news just surrounding this guy would know that he doesn't understand what freedom is. No, and- if you suspend the right to assembly, uh, you don't know yeah. what freedom is. Or you don't care what freedom is. Right. He cares about him. He cares about his freedom. He cares about, you know, El Bukele being able to do what Bukele wants to do. Oh, I suspect uh, Bukele is going to vanish with a lot of El Salvador's Bitcoin, if not all mm, of El Salvador's Bitcoin. That's an interesting statement because it's when I was— hard to trust him. Well, you can't. Uh, but when I was watching a little bit of Mark Falzon's documentary about El Salvador, and I'm not through the whole thing yet, but I've probably watched like a third of it, uh, hour and a half long documentary about the rollout of the Bitcoin thing— he points out that a lot of the Bitcoin that is being held by the El Salvadoran government, supposedly, is not being held by the government, but being held in an unknown number of accounts on exchanges. And I believe so, that. I mean, they don't have a government position of Bitcoin key holder, right? Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't want that because that's, that person would be easily extorted or well, you could multi-key or corrupted. It, or you could multi, uh, multi-sig it for a little more security. But apparently that's not the case at all, and it's just Bukele, who supposedly, you know, somebody has access to these exchanges where this money is, uh, this Bitcoin is being kept. And he's like, just like, I promise, wink, wink, this yeah. is for the El Salvador government, yeah. not me, well, wink, and, wink. And we know that they're buying Bitcoin, supposedly. They're buying but, large amounts of but Bitcoin. But only because he has said so. And only because he has said so publicly on Twitter. So when he says, we just bought 150 Bitcoins at the dip, well, how do we know that? How do we know how many he bought and how and you know when it was that he bought them? You would think the El Salvadoran government would have a public address. They don't. That one could wait. There's no transparency to this system at all. So it's just this dude saying, "Hey, yeah. look, I promise Take I bought some Bitcoin." Wow. Yeah, with taxpayer money, of course. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. He could totally just disappear. Uh, more coming up here. You can join us on Free Talk Live. open if you want to join us at 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 and since we mentioned trump i had something in the news about trump we talked briefly about the truth social site uh yesterday and didn't get into the details on why it has just been according to some in the media an abject failure 
It sounds to me, I, I looked into it a little bit today. It sounds like it has been just an unmitigated disaster. And Trump, of course, has made matters worse by doing absolute zero to back up the site to like support it by, oh, I don't know, posting to it. But there was a reason for that. I don't remember now what the reason was, but apparently Trump isn't happy with the, with the status of it. Right. And it's not because I, I don't. It's I, his I, own I don't remember fault. Now, I, 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 I know look, that, but I, he's Trump. He doesn't sure. understand that. Uh, look, I get maybe he's upset with the fact that they botched it from a technical perspective because they definitely botched it from a technical perspective. And we'll get into that here in a moment. But the dude could still post to his profile. I mean, it's not that broken. Right, like if if he couldn't even post to his own profile, I could understand why it he'd may be upset. Be that broken? I don't think so. Uh, I haven't tried to use it, but well, it you gotta wait like, in line. That's one of the problems. It sounds like the server they have could not handle the load that they were trying to put on it. Sounds like it. The DailyBeast.com has a story here that their Truth Social is doing even worse than you thought. This was just published yesterday. Uh, the app that Donald Trump once hoped would avenge his exile from social media and make him a MAGA Mark Zuckerberg has instead plummeted to the 28th most popular social media platform in Apple's App Store. I'm shocked it's that high. Lagging behind the likes of more obscure social networks like Wiz, Be Real, and Bloomer, Random Video Chat. You ever heard of those? No. Me neither. (laughs) Bloomer sounds absolutely horrid, though. Yes, indeed. Soon after the start of the soft launch of his social media company, Truth Social, in late February... Donald Trump grew deeply annoyed with the anemic growth and the lackluster rollout of the website. It's not even a website. You can't go on this. Th- Last I looked, at least, they had no web access for this. You, If you go to Truth Social, uh, I think it's like .com. Yeah, .com. Let's see if they even have a web. Nope. Still still coming soon. Do from- we have a web portal? Yeah. yeah Social.freetalklive.com. Hop right on there. You don't have to use an app. Okay. An app's just an option for mastodon it's a nice i option. thought so i wasn't 100 sure the mastodon apps are great so we recommend you use an app if you've got a mobile device but if you want to use a full web browser you get the full experience over at social.freetalklive.com and it's worth noting that that is a mastodon platform that we run and that is what trump chose to use for his truth social but they've i mean get on him for that instead of like going i'm gonna buy nine percent of twitter or whatever right i i prefer Donald Trump. He brought, you know, could have done some this. number of people to Mastodon who otherwise probably had never heard of it. Yeah, he could have done this right, and instead they they launched this thing, which has been teased for months. It was late last year when this thing was announced, uh, and the website went up for it. But the launch didn't happen until February, so it was literally four months at least that they had to work on this, and they only launched with an Apple app. They still do not have the Android app out after more than a month of uh, of existence, and they still do not have any web access. So you have to be an Apple user to okay, use that, this. Okay, that's really bad, Donald Trump. That That's embarrassingly bad. That alone is enough to kill your site because last I saw, Apple was only like 10% of cell phones. Now, they're very popular, right, as far as their users are concerned. Apple sure. users love Apple. They are very brand loyal. But as far as the market is concerned, it's one-tenth of the, the cell phone market. Hardly anyone uses iPhone devices in the world of cell phones. But that's where they launched. So anyway, 
He grew upset at the lackluster rollout. Though Trump and his team were expecting the new app to be a huge hit with his political base, the site was handily trounced in recent weeks by a competitor MAGA social networks, including one that caters primarily to neo-Nazis. This was so easy, Donald Trump. All you had to do was set up a Mastodon server and let people connect to it using Wellbird, which is available on iOS and Google Play. But this month, the situation's only gotten worse for Trump's latest large-scale business venture. According to data analysis reviewed by the Daily Beast and sources close to Trump say he has recently complained about the low energy activity on the app and appears disengaged from trying to turn the platform around, much less post on it. We reported... At the one-month mark, which was probably like a week and a half ago at this point, that the site had been around and and public for one month, uh, Trump had only posted one time. And it was on day one. And since then, he didn't post again. If dude had posted at least on a daily basis, because he posted more than once a day before when he was on Twitter. Oh, he he was always on Twitter. Yeah, if he would post at least once a day to this social thing, it would get so much buzz and people would be way more interested in it because that's really what the site's all about, right? It's about people being able to see what Donald Trump says. That's why this site exists. And I mean, he totally botched the number one reason to have this thing exist. That is such overkill, though. I mean, he could have just had, like, a newsletter or something. Download data showed by analytics firm Aptopia shows downloads of the na- of the app have plummeted from a peak of 170,000 downloads per day to just 8,000 now. The app is now the 355th most popular app on Apple devices overall, and those who have downloaded it don't seem to be using it that much. Apple users don't seem like the type that would really support Donald Trump. Daily active users, a metric that social media and tech companies use to measure how many engaged users an app has, stood at just 513,000 as of last week. Now that is not bad, right? But, like but it's bad for Donald Trump. Half a million users is pretty good for a brand new app that just came out that has is basically just floating in the wind at this point like there's no support from donald trump so to even have half a million users i actually think is pretty good all things considered their their dear leader is not present but yet half a million people are still there presumably waiting for him to show up and say something <laughs> and maybe posting That's funny, right and maybe posting to each other and you know i've i've heard again i have not used the app i'm not allowed to under my bail conditions nor would i i don't even have an apple uh device and they have no website to log into but uh i've heard that like some of the conservative types are on there like sean hannity and and others so like there's definitely some goings on there it's it's not a complete failure for the average person like it just looks like one yeah like if i was to you know create my own social media platform uh aria adopt social whatever yeah i would be amazed to get five people there and they got they got half a million which is impressive for anyone who wasn't a former president of the united states that's where it becomes dude really that was the best you had but for trump it's still half a million people who cannot follow him in any meaningful sense anywhere else right now. Trump has been sending out press releases since Twitter banned him in uh, January of uh, 2021. He's been sent. That's how, the only way he has to reach people is to send press releases out. That's the only thing he's been doing. So this would be a huge step That's up for him. Sad. You're not going to jump to, as they point out here, Twitter has a 217 million users. You're not going to get to 217 million users overnight. It's a brand new app. 
Okay, and you botched the launch by not including it on Android. Trump and Truth Social officials have presented the launch of the platform with plenty of caveats. In a speech at the CPAC event, Trump himself said the company is rolling out the app, quote, very slowly. The app has been only available via a waiting list, and even then, only in Apple's App Store. But the soft launch has come with a series of technical glitches and user complaints. A former representative, Devin Nunes, who retired from Congress to take a job at Trump Media uh, and Technology Group, their parent company, had promised in February the app would be fully up and running by the end of March. But users have repeatedly complained about error messages and a convoluted registration process that has left even diehard MAGA fans frustrated. Quote, I've been waiting for this. It's finally released and it doesn't work. One user wrote in an App Store review. Spokespeople for Trump did not provide comment for the story. As The Beast reported earlier last month, the twice-impeached former president has in the past several weeks privately fumed about the blisteringly negative coverage of the app's rollout and number of users and visitors. What the F is going on? Trump was repeatedly heard snapping into his phone, demanding to know why Truth Social wasn't a runaway success. The former president had... The poor guy. This is why we need him to run for office again. Because I need more of Donald Trump freaking out as his world collapses but around him. if you him. can't hear from him, what's the point of him running for office? You've got to be able to read what this guy is freaking out about. Look, if, This what, is just a report about to, him freaking out. Wouldn't they have to put him back on Twitter? No, I guess they wouldn't, would they? Maybe they will now that Elon Musk is on the board, but I wouldn't get my hopes up. He's just one vote. Uh, so anyway, he uh, in less than two months into the launch, Trump has all but given, out, uh, given up on his own high-profile app and has barely even touched his personal account on Truth Social. So pretty sad, pretty sad story. I you know I would have I wanted to see it be a success, and they also turned off the um, the Mastodon key feature of Federation. So I tried to pull up his account from our Mastodon server, see if I could follow it. Can't do it. So he's like completely... They just federated themselves. Yeah, they totally blew this thing from top to bottom. We'll see you tomorrow night. Freetalklive.com.